0: The Fontenelle Final Bell podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the World Radio Network. Clay Patton again in for Susan Littlefield as she is abroad and. We're going to be hearing a lot of great reports coming from her and her recent travels as well. Of course, it's Wednesday. That means we're talking with Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone. Arlen, thank you for joining the conversation today. As we turn, we look at the grains here first and really kind of green for the corn and soybeans. A little bit mixed, though, for the wheat. Are we still seeing a little bit of reaction to yesterday's WASDI report?
1: Uh, we are overall, but I think this is a market that's also showing that, okay, it uh, gave a sigh of relief. The numbers weren't worse than they were. Uh, they certainly could have been. Uh, USDA did not factor in fully all the stocks from the March 29 report into its corn stocks, into its corn balance sheet. If it had done so, stocks would be another 200 million bushels higher. So I think that was a sigh of relief. Also on soybeans, the fact that USDA did not cut exports. And to a great extent, I understand that decision. It's it's kind of punted that until it can know more about how many soybeans China's actually going to take shipment of this year. But if China doesn't pick up the pace in those shipments, we're probably going to see another cut in exports. Um, maybe 100 million bushels or more is possible. If that didn't happen and, and, the, and the USDA didn't cut corn, uh, usage as much as what they could have based on the March 29 report and so there's a little bit of a sigh of relief there and uh so Minneapolis did stand out on the wheat market as a big rally there you can blame some of it on the winter storm that's going on in the northern plains Uh you know, but you can blame quite a bit of that on also the fact that we went down too far too fast on expecting a big swing in Canadian acres from canola towards spring wheat we don't think that's going to happen. We think that was more fear than, that, than reality. And uh, so I think the market was down at such low levels that when you add in the winter storm, uh, further delaying planning, it gave us a bigger bump in Minneapolis market. But overall, uh, this is a market waiting for uh, a trade agreement with China or to know more about the spring planning delays, those two factors and kind of marking time
0: and arlen you talked about it right there is what are we going to see here from china and we're starting to get some headlines out this afternoon coming from treasury secretary mnuchin talking about the u.s and china trade deals and one of the headlines that i've seen is talking about a trade deal enforcement mechanism fc stone has a pretty in-depth knowledge when it comes to china so what do you think that that could mean or what could that look like
1: yeah, China's been willing to make lots of agreements over the years, even looking back to the agreements that it made in order to enter the World Trade Organization. And it's kept, uh, what I saw one number, one-sixth or one-seventh of those promises. And it's promised U.S. presidents of both parties many things over the years and had various agreements. But it doesn't keep them. And so what this administration is trying to do is get strong enforcement language in it. And that's really been the sticking point that's uh, prevented us from getting an agreement to this point, uh, because an agreement that nobody lives by isn't worth any more than the piece of paper that it's on, so to speak. Uh, and so it was encouraging to me that uh, U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin stated here over the last, uh, oh, earlier this afternoon, so within the last hour or two, Um, that the U.S. and China have agreed to establish enforcement offices and, more importantly, have agreed on enforcement mechanisms. So that, I think, is a huge step forward, and I, I think one of the keys going forward, and I think for China to agree to what this seems to say would suggest that China is committed toward getting an agreement. Do I expect China to live up to the agreement long term? No, I don't. But I do think that we will end up with an agreement that is going to be good for the ag commodities in the near term. And I think it's probably going to be much better than a lot of people think. Maybe not for soybeans because we have such a huge surplus, but I think many of the other commodities that have largely been shut out of China's market over recent years uh, will have some significant opportunities. And and from what we hear uh... from our people in china some interesting notes this week uh... they're saying what's really being chatted um rumored around the industry in china is that trade agreement has forty million metric tons of soybeans twenty million metric tons of corn and ten million metric tons of wheat in it. it and the rumors really don't say over what period of time we know the trade talks have been talking about a six-year deal going to twenty twenty five so worst case scenario would be spread out over that period of time if that's the case, it's not very friendly for soybeans, <clears throat> but if you put that together, and, and for wheat, it's just kind of supportive, um, but doesn't really solve our problems. But the corn, if you put it together, what we're also hearing about ethanol and DDGs, it is quite supportive. And I think uh, rising tide would lift all boats and give support, particularly to wheat, soybeans are still vulnerable but could ride with it for a little bit Um, but it does give us some hope of maybe some better pricing opportunities and is a kind of a warning to end users uh, about some upside price risk as well
0: arlen as we come towards the end segment here let's briefly talk about also the weather that's impacting much of the midwest are we going to have to wait until after the storm has passed for traders to really decide how they want to play this weather
1: market yeah, the the farmer's been so successful in the past that the trade really doesn't know what to believe, and we talk about planting delays because uh, we talk about planting delays year after year, and all of a sudden we get 10 days of open weather and the crop's planted. That, that's the way they perceive it. So what I found is, is the market really doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to weather until we get in the last half of April and the forecasts start projecting into the first half of May, and that's when the market starts paying more significant attention to it, and, and I think that'll be the case this year as well.
0: Again, we're talking with Arlen Suderman, INTL FC Stone, and Arlen's on Final Bell every Wednesday. We're excited to talk with him in this first segment, focusing more on the grain markets. Coming up in our second segment, of course, FC Stone with that team in China. We're going to talk African swine fever and get the latest reports there and what it's meaning around the globe. You're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton again in for Susan Littlefield. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone. Arlen in our first segment focused more on the grain markets and its impact with current global trade policy as well as an impending storm across much of the Midwest. Let's switch gears down move over to livestock. And of course, African swine fever continues to make headlines not only in Asia, but today now being discovered in South Africa. So what is your take now that this disease looks to be going more global?
1: Well, we previously had seen cases in Eastern Europe and Russia. In fact, China probably got it from that area of Russia crossing the border at some point somehow. Um, But that's speculation that's uh, been going. I think with South Africa, the bigger concern here is not the numbers because Africa is not a high swine population type of a, a continent, although some areas are comparable to Europe. But overall, it's not that big a player. But how did it spread? That's the bigger question that has implications for the U.S. markets. And uh, the, the fact that the Pork Council um, um, canceled their World Expo, World Pork Expo, this summer in Des Moines, Iowa, I I think was probably a shrewd move, Um, and uh, it speaks to the risks. Those risks may be low, but the consequences if it does happen are very high. Um, We talk about African swine fever uh, transmitting primarily through food waste, but it can also transmit through clothes, Uh, just people wearing clothes and being in contact with it and then going somewhere else. So there's many ways it can be transmitted. Um, Did it get to South Africa via somebody carrying a sausage sandwich from China? Uh, We know that we've had people trying to carry sandwiches on the planes to the United States um, that very likely or could have had African swine fever in them. Um, So there's many different ways it can transmit, and I think the the biggest thing, is just that South Africa is now a reminder how vigilant we need to be in keeping the disease out of the United States.
0: Today, we look at the pork carcass cutout. Again, we're up another 234. We're starting to get close back to a $90 range on the carcass. bellies at 167 here at the midday report that I have on my desk. And Arlen, are we going to can probably continue to see these cutouts move higher as the possibility that we're going to be seeing other countries around the world be looking for a pork supplier?
1: Yeah, we're looking at a shortfall of about 16.2 million metric tons of meat in China. From what we've seen so far, from the and that's counting, that's assuming that the poultry industry gears up about eight percent and expands production by about eight percent. So that's a massive shortage of meat, and, and we know that China is going around the world and shopping and looking. We've seen a very much so a tightening of the U.S. market, and you mentioned uh, the prices of pork cutout increasing in value, and uh, pork prices. Since late February, already up um, well over 40%. Cash hogs are up well over 50% just since March the 7th. So that is playing into the industry. Packers are paying up for these hogs because there's a demand for the meat behind it. And we think we've just started to scratch the surface of that demand. The question is, what is the capacity to move meat to China, not only from the United States, but Canada and elsewhere? Because if you look at the lost production capacity in China right now, it does already exceeds all of the hog production in North and South America combined, and it's continuing to get worse. That is a tremendous deficit of meat for the people of China that the Chinese government is going to be trying to find a solution to and try to figure out how they can control food inflation concerns in China. Um, So we're looking for it to impact U.S. meat prices for quite some time. Keep in mind, though, that should we get a case of African swine fever in the United States, we could see that hog market utterly collapse as exports shut down. And that has to be something that producers always keep in mind and have protection underneath them that they're continuing to ride up.
0: Arlen, FC Stone has been looked at here in recent times as a leader, especially when it comes to information coming out of China. What does your team there see right now with the current African swine fever situation?
1: I talked to him on Monday morning this week, which was Monday night, their time. and. And, uh, I asked him, do you see any indications, contrary to what the government's saying, any indications that they are starting to slow the spread of African swine fever? And he said, absolutely not, we do not. Piglet prices have doubled in the last two months. The breeding herd has been particularly hit hard. It's been said that 80% or more of the primary breeding farms have been hit by the disease. The two primary production regions, provinces, uh, have at least 50% reduction in feeding right now, and some would say 60 to 70%. So it continues to get worse. It is a very dire situation right now in China. They have a big reserve of pork, uh, but we're anticipating the consumers going to see shortages starting in the fourth quarter of this year. And in 2020, it's really going to uh, be a significant problem inside of China impacting the the world markets.
0: Again, we're talking with Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, a thank you to Fontenelle and all their dealers for their support of the Fontenelle Final Bell.